This is Foxhole Podcast number three, and uh, I am Joe DeLisi. And that's right, I have no intro music. And I, I don't think I'm ever going to have intro music. Um, you know, I, I don't understand why you need intro music. I listen to radio, I get that. Like on the radio, I get it. Uh, it's just so funny to me how many people are like, hey, I really like your podcast. Hey, dude, you need intro music. I don't, I really literally don't understand. So if I, if I'm missing something, you guys tell me, but to me, just turn it on and talk. And then when you're done, you're done. Kind of like, kind of like a conversation <laughs> with my wife. I, I can't imagine like starting a conversation with her, but before I talk, like I have to play intro music. You know what though? Actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, maybe that would work with my kids. You know, like you, you start the intro music when you're going to start talking so they get their attention and then turn on the end music when I'm done so, like, they know they can walk away. That kind of <laughs> that one kind of makes sense. Anyway, um, it is December 22nd, 2017, and um, I, uh, I'm sitting in my little uh, home office here in St. Louis recording this podcast, and it's just the strangest thing because uh, Jamie, she's coughing up a storm. She's not even sitting here producing, so it's just me in my little office talking to a microphone with nobody else in the room. And uh, if you know me at all, I mean, I, I, I love being on stage. The more people out there, the better. Sitting here talking to a microphone is freaking weird to me. Um, but here we go. <clears throat> um, last podcast, I think, was really well-received. I was pretty pumped about that because uh, Debbie Portel, the, uh, my nutritionist, um, it was, uh, uh, was a guest on there. And, I mean, she she can give so much information on nutrition and, and how it impacts your body and your, your obviously then your life. It's just, it's overwhelming, I think at times, but um, man, a lot of you guys really took a ton from it. A bunch of you guys even contacted her, which I think is phenomenal. <coughs> um, so uh, that's a great one to follow up today. It's just me. Uh, we are arranging some, uh, some guests, which are um, really, I think going to be incredible guests of all different kinds of, uh, you know, businesses and backgrounds and things like that. So that'll be great. Um, today I want to go back and, uh, and talk about, uh, some things that impact, again, I guess my premise is mostly salespeople, uh, entrepreneurs, salespeople, uh, business leaders, um, you know, if you're the head of a company maybe, or head of a division, and again, not for any other reason, I just think that, uh, those, those people in, in those positions are just more, um, I guess in tune with the fact that they need to improve. Um, I mean, it's on, it's on our heads every day. So I'm in sales and, uh, uh, everything that I do, everything that I see and touch and read and experience and today will somehow kind of be tied back into my, my day job, so to speak. Um, it's just the natural, it's just the natural way of things when you're in, in sales or when you're in leadership. So I, I read a lot of things also that don't directly apply um, maybe to my, my sales job or, you know, that position, but it certainly applies to my leadership of, of my little small team. Uh, so today what we're going to talk about, <coughs> we're going to follow up and talk more about discipline. Uh, we're also going to talk about confidence. So those are the two main topics today, discipline and confidence. And, and the confidence one is so interesting to me because when I started coaching people uh, more intimately, um, not, not just necessarily one-on-one, -on -one, but like in groups of five, six, seven, what I became very well aware of is that uh, co confidence is really lacking. And I mean, we're talking, these are, these are mature adults. These aren't 
people in their early 20s who really are just kind of getting started. These are people who have, you know, some pretty good success under their belt already in their careers um, and have families and successful marriages. And, you know, by all accounts, like you look at them on the outside and you think, you know, I want to be that guy. <laughs> I mean, they're really doing well. And yet when you um, prop the hood open and kind of peek at the engine a little bit, confidence is just a big, uh, there's just a deficit there. So I want to talk about confidence today too. In fact, um, I think these two topics are, are interesting because like to talk about them together, they both have external and internal components to them. Um, you know, there's, there's an external discipline and internal discipline, and there's an external confidence and internal confidence. And what I mean by that is like, uh, external discipline would be, I require somebody to tell me to do the things and then I'll do them. Um, versus being internally disciplined where you just, you just know what to do or you find out what you're supposed to do and then you do it, you handle it. Same thing with confidence. I think there's an external confidence, um, where, uh, you know, for instance, you could be on stage and, uh, speaking and people are sitting there like shaking their heads up and down and, you know, they're taking notes and, um, <clears throat> they might come up to you afterwards and say, man, that really resonated with me. That Those are confidence builders, but they're all external. Internal confidence would, would not need any of that. Um, it's, it's, I, would, I would say it's almost a swagger um, in that it doesn't matter what people think. Uh, and, you know, in fact, a lot of people will talk about that, like, oh, I don't care what other people think or I don't care what other people think. I think by and large, that's not true. Uh, no matter what we say, we are creatures that I think need external stimuli to kind of let us know if we're on the right path or not, and that will certainly affect confidence. However, both discipline and confidence, if you can, if you can more over-index to the, the self-confidence and self-discipline, much more powerful, just much, much more powerful. So I want to kind of dive into those two topics today. Um, let's see here. I, I think in, in, in addition, both of these components, if you will, well, uh, so not only do I not have bumper music, so to speak, but yeah, I'm going to drink coffee too. It's, you're probably going to hear that too. Um, so not the uh, most professional podcast. Um, both of these areas, I think, are lacking. Um, and I think both of these areas, discipline and confidence, are, I would still call them skills. Certainly discipline is. I think confidence is too. I do. I think it's a skill. I think you can play a game with yourself to create confidence, and I think you can... Um, you can allow it to perish. It's a perishable skill. You know, if you don't exercise it, if you don't go out and acquire it, um, you can lose confidence. That's, that's for sure. So I think that's a skill. And I think that many, many people are lacking, or maybe they've never even acquired either one of these skills. Um, man, I, I tell you, again, from the front of the room in training people uh, and coaching people for well over a decade now, if I could wave some sort of magic wand and just make you disciplined, I would do it. I would do it. Um, if I could just wave some magic wand and um, give you the confidence that you are different or you are good or you are worth it or you have what it takes, if I could do that, I would do it. Um, but man, th those two things, I mean, among others, but those two things are really what's going to separate those who I might refer to as the 90% crowd where they're comfortably dissatisfied with their life, um, and the rest of the people who are uncomfortably dissatisfied with their life, like they're ready to, to do something about it. 
So um, discipline, let's start with this. So we talked a little bit about discipline in the first podcast. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, it's, uh, it's popular now. You know, if you're on the social medias, you're going to see uh, many, many people talk about discipline, some who I have every right to talk about it. <clears throat> um, the Jocko Willinks of the world, the uh, retired Navy SEAL commander who, uh, I mean, <laughs> embodies, I would say, the, I don't know him, but it would embody the word discipline. Just look at the guy. Uh, he, <laughs> he drips discipline. It would be my take on it from afar. And then there's other people out there who speak about discipline. When I look at them, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see, um, I don't see the signs of it, right? So it's uh, y you can't predict how people are before you get to know them. But I can say this: um, if I'm talking to somebody who's 40 pounds overweight and they're talking to me about being disciplined in my business, I'm going to discount that. Uh, not that the information they give to me is incorrect necessarily, but how would they know? Um, you know, discipline is not something I think that you can compartmentalize. I think if you're disciplined in one area, you're disciplined in every area. Uh, that's the nature of discipline. Now, you could be more uh, naturally gifted uh, in an area. For me, it's very easy to be disciplined now in my life in, uh, in the area of health, working out specifically. That one's easy. Um, being disciplined to sit down here and do this podcast, not so much, you know, but um, the, the, the thing is, it becomes more difficult for me to ignore the things I'm supposed to do because I'm so disciplined in other areas. Um, it's just, it just leaks over. <clears throat> so on this area of discipline, what I, the questions I've gotten around it are not even so much tactical. Uh, the questions are more how, um, meaning, meaning this tactical meaning, like how do I apply it or, or that kind of stuff. That, that's not so much what I'm getting. What people are asking me is how did I get there? You know, we, were you born disciplined? I'd say no. In fact, I, I would say that nobody is. Uh, I mean, I don't, and I don't even know if that's, I don't know if that's accurate. Or I don't know if there's science around that. <clears throat> I've never seen any studies on it. I don't tend to read on that stuff. I'm certainly not, uh, you know, I don't have any kind of human biology degree behind me. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say that no, I don't think people are born disciplined. I think it's a skill set that you acquire. Um, and it's a skill set you have to work to hold. Um, and so discipline has to start for everybody at some point. I don't think it's too late for anybody at any point. You know, you can be a royal screw up your entire life. I mean, there are, I, I can't think of any offhand, but there are stories of people who have spent, you know, many, many, many years in prison, get out and, uh, completely change their lives. Well, that, that's discipline right there in action. So to go back in time and maybe dive deep, I don't know why people would necessarily care about this, but. Um, I like to hear people's stories, so maybe that's why uh, you guys are asking for more of my story. Um, here's where I got discipline. I mean, I can very easily uh, go back in time and almost, you know, like on your like on your iPhone, if you go back and you look at all of your memories, you know, dating back all the years, and you can use your finger and you can point to one day and you can open up a picture, and it might say whatever October, you know, twelfth, two thousand thirteen, or whatever, and you look at the picture. You can remember the day um, very clearly. I mean, the memories come flooding back um, to where that iPhone is almost like your external hard drive of your brain. It's bizarre. <clears throat> but when I think about, okay, Joe, when did you acquire discipline? <clears throat> I can go back very clearly to 1993. Um, 1990, 
92, actually, I, I suppose it was 1992, so maybe not so clear. 1992 was the year that uh, I moved from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with my family down to, um, down to Maryland. And we moved to a, a city called Gambrels, Maryland, and I went to a, a high school uh, called Arundel High School. Arundel, A-R-U-N-D-E-L, Arundel High School. Yeah, the Wildcats. And um, I was a junior. I was leaving uh, Pittsburgh. I had lived there predominantly since I was in first grade. I spent a little bit of time in New York City, kind of in the middle, like fourth grade, fifth grade. But for the most part, grew up, you know, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, knew everybody there, and everybody knew me, and, you know, high school, and just I knew everybody. And then we left, <coughs> and we moved to Maryland, and, um, yeah, I kind of went in really naive. I thought, I thought, well, this is easy. I mean, this is... Uh, this is cool. Like it's time for me to uh, make new friends and new experiences and all that kind of stuff. Everyone's going to like me. And, uh, that was not the case. So I move in, go to school the first day. I never forget. And by the way, I went from a, um, a private school for my entire educational career. And I was going to public school now for the first time as a junior in high school. And I'll never forget. I walked up to this girl on the first day and, um, and I said, uh, hey, I'm new here. Uh, I don't know anybody. And this was like first period history or something. And I said, um, would it be cool if I like sat with you guys at lunch? Because I don't, I don't know anybody. And uh, she looked right at me and she said, yeah, no, uh, no, no, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was like shocked. So um, first day of school, first encounter with, a, with, with anybody, let alone a girl. And uh, yeah, completely shot down. Uh, you know, but I wasn't going to be deterred by that. I figured, ah, you know, just keep giving it a shot. Eventually, I'll make some friends. And so one of the things I did is I went out for the baseball team. Now, in Pittsburgh, um, our baseball team wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Um, I, but I, I was able to play on that varsity team as a freshman. I didn't play much, but, you know, they brought me up. And as a freshman and a sophomore, played a little bit on varsity. So pretty good. Um, and I played first base. And I figured that, uh, you know, moving down to to Maryland, I would just grab off my, dust off my first baseman's mitt, go out there and have at it. Well, I found out pretty quickly that at Arundel High School in Gambrels, Maryland, the baseball program was legendary. I mean, state champions, county champions, it was like routine. Uh, and the coach there, his name was Bernie Walter, um, and a pretty hard-nosed guy. And uh, so I go out for the baseball team. The first day was a Saturday. It was all day. Uh, I show up with my first baseman mitt, and they were like, yeah, you're not going to need that. Uh, we got this guy, Tim. He plays first base, and this guy's a stud. And I watched him hit a little bit of batting practice, and sure enough, guy was a stud. So, yeah, that wasn't going to work. So I was stuck in the outfield, and we had this full day of miserable practice. And I thought they were kidding. Like, we were starting at 9, and they said we were going to go to 3. And um, I just thought they were kidding, but they weren't. <laughs> That's the way that team operated. And we ran and we sprinted and we did, um, you know, sliding drills and throwing drills. And I mean, I just laps and laps and laps and laps. And I'm just thinking, these guys are psycho. So I quit, um, the, you know, because I had no discipline. Uh, growing up in Pittsburgh, like, geez, you didn't do any of that kind of stuff. That's just not the way we learned how to play the game. So I faked an injury, which is, by the way, the way people quit in life a lot. Um, they get injured, they get burned out, they get depressed, whatever. Well, they do that to themselves intentionally. That's a form of quitting for sure. I see it all the time when I'm coaching people and I hear excuses like burned out, depressed and things. Not that those things aren't, can't be for real. Uh, certainly depression is a real thing, but um, you know, I see a lot of people using that or in this case injury as an excuse to quit. 
Well, I quit. So uh, the thing is, though, one of the guys came to me and he was like, look, you're stupid. You don't want to quit. We're going to win a national championship at the school. You want to be a part of that. Trust me. And so I went back, begged, you know, that my hamstring was okay. <laughs> I could come back. And I don't know why, but the guy let me come back and play. So here I am, 1992 and 1993. And I was taught things, guys, uh, that I can't even, like, completely replicate for you. Um, just the visuals. I mean, we played... We practiced whether it was raining or snowing or, uh, you know, a tornado or didn't matter. We did every little thing right. Every little thing. Details were incredibly important. Uh, back then, I remember, like, if there was a foul ball, we were trained to run and get that foul ball during the game and get it back into our pitcher as soon as possible because maybe our pitcher liked that ball in particular. Um, we, would, we would rub the balls up a certain way to kind of, like, loosen the – the, the ball a little bit um, for our pitcher could use it so the other team couldn't hit it so far. Uh, do these things make any difference? I, I don't know. I doubt it. Maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> but in our brains, they did. And, uh, you know, we did, a <clears throat> we did a last rep on every set. It was always one more for a state championship, one more for national championship. And our coach was very clear that the way that we operated on the baseball field was the same in the classroom. We weren't allowed to wear crappy clothes. We weren't, we weren't allowed to wear hats. And we sure as heck weren't allowed to wear hats backwards. Um, you know, we were baseball players. At Arundel High School, we were different. And uh, that, that was drilled into us endlessly. Uh, it was like a religion. It was discipline. Uh, for kids, my, I mean, at least for myself, who never really understood discipline before. Not that we had bad parents. But my parents didn't understand discipline to that level, let alone how to teach it. Um, and so now I'm in an environment with a team, with a brotherhood, where we're all fighting for something, you know, as insignificant as it may seem today, you know, winning baseball games in high school. Back then it was everything. But I was being taught this skill, the skill of discipline, which would never leave my side, which was amazing. And so, but what's, what's even more interesting <clears throat> is that I had to acquire this skill even harder than most because I wasn't as naturally gifted as these other guys. I wasn't bad, I was a pretty good player, but I wasn't good enough to play on that team. I didn't start, I hardly played at all. Actually, I was the first base coach for most of those games. I mean, I got my, I guess, fair share of playing time, but I was over at first base and I was coaching as our guys were playing. And man, we had kids, uh, you know, girls I liked to come to the games and watch those games and make fun of me. like. You know, what are you doing coaching first base? And all I knew was that, well, that's where the coach put me and I was going to be the best damn first base coach I could. I would steal signs from the other team. I would do everything I could to help our team win that game so that the next day we could win another game and so that the next day we could win another game and always put ourselves in the position to be successful. That's what we were taught. We couldn't really deal with the, we, we couldn't affect the outcome necessarily. Sometimes that was out of our hands, but we could always put ourselves in the position to be successful. And if you're listening to this now, think about that. Are you doing the things that could put yourself in the position to be successful? Success will come or it won't. But what's up to you is to have the discipline to put yourself consistently in that position to be successful. Critical. Where's that taught? Where is that taught? Where is that textbook? Where is that coaching program at your broker dealer or your medical sales department or your your physical fitness company, um, where is that being taught? And it's not. I had to learn it as an 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid. 
So I leave. So by the way, we won the national championship my senior year. We did. It was amazing. Won the state championship. Wound up winning the national championship. We got rings. We got jackets. You know, we were different. It was amazing. It was a fantastic feeling to be part of something like that. Our national championship. You can look it up. 1993 Arundel High School uh, national champions. And now it sounds like I'm living in the past, but I'm, I'm not. I don't hold on to that championship as anything more than a marker. That's where I learned discipline. That's where it started. That's it. So now I go to college, University of Maryland, and I try out for the baseball team. Division one ACC big-time baseball. Now, Maryland was horrible, but still, ACC baseball. <clears throat> and I had an amazing um, camp. Um, you know, I, fall campaign, I, was, I did great. I mean, the, the funny thing was, actually, I was one of the better players in that camp uh, trying out for those slots, and here I, didn't even, I couldn't even play on my high school team. But anyway, I got cut. I couldn't believe it, but I did. I got cut. Uh, so my baseball career was effectively over. And up until that point, that's where I was pointing my discipline at. I mean, that's the target that I had acquired, a, a, an athletic career. And now, I was a really good hockey player, too, but University of Maryland didn't have a Division One hockey team. They had a Division One club hockey team, which I played on, which was fine, but that just wasn't, that just wasn't enough. It wasn't different enough. It wasn't big enough. And so I really didn't know what to do. I had lost an identity. I didn't understand that, <clears throat> that the discipline skill set could just be pointed at something else and that you could acquire you know, high performance in another area and, and fill that desire that discipline is always looking to, to deal with, which is how do I become the best? The be Will I become the best? I don't know. Do I even care if I become the best? Not really. What I'm looking for is the acquisition of better. I always want to go be better. So that's why I use the term the best. So I decided that I needed something. I needed a mission. We've talked about this before. I needed a mission. I needed a purpose. It was no longer going to be baseball, and hockey wasn't big enough. Uh, you know, I had a background as a child actor. Uh, we've talked about that, I think, before. But that was not, you know, it's not what I wanted to do at that time. So I picked school. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm here anyway. Uh, my first semester at Maryland, I think I got a 1.65 GPA. I was on academic suspension, and I figured, well, crap, if I could point my discipline muscle at that, um, I don't know, maybe I, could, maybe I could do something with that. Maybe I could become a, you know, a straight-A student. And I did. So that was it. I decided, okay, well, all right, if, if I could bear down and be a hard nose and do one more rep with my body, well, I could do that with my work, my educational work. And I, I kept doing it, by the way, physically. I mean, I went to the gym every day. Here I am, a college kid, getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to go hit the cardio and the weights before class. And then I went to class. This is every day. I went to class. I mean, if they told me to write a report, I wrote a report. They taught me to read this chapter for this test. I, I crushed that chapter. And it wasn't because I gave a crap about school or even the, what I studied. It was just, okay, nobody else is going to get straight A's. I'm going to do it. Nobody else is going to win a national championship. Cool. I'm going to go get that. I'll do that. That will set me aside. That will make me different. That will, that will allow me to kind of, um, you know, point that discipline at something that's very difficult to attain and go after it. Um, and then so fast forward, now I'm out of school. Now what? Well, <laughs> now I'm in um, a 90% failure industry, you know, the financial advising industry. 
And I decided, okay, well, I'll, let's see. It was very, it was probably not very highly likely that I was going to go from 1.6 GPA to straight A's. I did that. It wasn't highly likely that I was going to be able to do what I did in, in uh, athletics up to that point, but I did that. So now here I am in a uh, job where I had to go sell life insurance, of all things. Who the heck wants to sell life insurance at 22 years old or 23, whatever I was? But I did it, and I decided I'm going to be the best at it. You know, I'm going to be top 1% in that industry. Um, and it might take me a long time, but that's good because everyone else will quit. If it takes long, most people, it just becomes a war of attrition. You know, just stick around. Just stick around. And get a little bit better every day, a little bit better every That's how you build your body. That's how you get good at baseball. That's how you get a straight A, um, you know, grade sheet in college. You, you can't get straight A's for three years on day one. You have to show up. You have to get the syllabus. You have to write down the, you know, all the days of your classes. What, what room is the class in? What time does the class start? Who's the professor? When, are your, what's your, when is your work due? How do they grade? Um, what's the game you got to play to get that done? It's the same thing in business. You can't show up day one and be like, oh, I'm going to set every sales record that there is. You have to learn the product. You have to learn how to schedule. You have to learn eventually how to run a staff. You have to learn how to manage your own money. You have to learn payroll. Yeah, there's so many different things. And I know, because I know discipline, that the trick is consistency. And that's the part nobody wants to do. And so that's why when they laid out the career for me and said, oh, in 20 or 30 years, you're going to be making all this money. I thought, oh, that's so perfect. That's so perfect because all my friends are making dough now, but that's easy. That is easy. I won't make any money now, but in the long haul, if I just, uh, you know, point my discipline muscle at that target, then I'll make this money. It's just simple math. And that's exactly what I did. Now, I, I need to point out something here. My discipline, <coughs> pardon me, started off as external discipline. I, I didn't know, I couldn't, I couldn't spell the word, well, I can't spell the word discipline now probably, but I couldn't spell the word discipline when I was 17, 16. I didn't know. I didn't know what it took to be a champion. I just didn't know. I just kind of skated through life up until that point. I was a good kid. I wasn't a great student though. I was a good athlete, not great. There was nothing above average about me. I mean, I, I, I did acting, and I, I was fortunate enough to do some things that most people couldn't do in that, but I, I don't know it's because I was a great actor. It was probably more luck than anything. Um, so when I was acquiring the skill set of discipline, by the grace of God that I was put on this man's uh, baseball team, I was put in this guy's life, this, this uh, Coach Walter, um, it was all external. You know, he had to literally scream at me some pretty horrific names. In fact, if he, if, he, if he called me the things today that he called me back then, he'd probably be put in jail. Um, but, you know, it was required. That was required. And then when I wanted to quit every day because it was hard, it was the other guys around me where I couldn't quit because, like, well, they're not quitting. All external. But eventually, Mr. Walter was no longer in my life. And my teammates were no longer in my life. And I was on my own. And now nobody cared if I showed up to class and nobody cared if, I mean, they literally didn't care. So that's when I quickly learned internal discipline, self-discipline. And that is what you're looking for. External is more motivation. 
And motivation does work, don't get me wrong, but you can't hold motivation or external discipline forever. It's typically pretty short bursts um, you know, in time, which is why the fitness industry is such a disaster because you've got you know, people out there promoting all their motivational stuff and their, their memes and their sayings and their, their tracks and their whatever, and they're not telling you the truth. The truth is that crap is not going to hold very long. It's a suntan. It will fade. There's nothing wrong with it, but understand it's not a good long-term strategy. Internal discipline, self-discipline, that's where it's at. So at 43 years old, I'll be 43 tomorrow, actually. 43 years old, who's going to tell me to get up at 4.30 in the morning to go and swim a mile and you know bike 15 miles indoors, by the way, and then go run five or six miles on the treadmill? Because that's what you do on a Saturday. And who's going to tell me to do that? No, my wife's not going to yell at me to do that. My kids aren't going to yell at me. They're not even going to be up. None of you guys are going to yell at me to do that. You don't care if I go do that. It's about me. And it's not even because, well, I want to go do this so that I can go eat cake or something like that. No, that's not it. It's that I have to do that because I understand the game. If I don't, if I fall down there, I'm going to fall down elsewhere. If I, if I don't do the one more rep in the gym, I'm not going to do one more rep at the office. And if I don't do one more rep at the office, I'm not going to do one more bedtime story for my boy. Or I'm not going to read one more um, chapter in the Bible. Or I'm not going to do you know, one more whatever. It's all linked when it's, when it's internal. So internal discipline, self-discipline, man, that's the key. So key. Uh, now, you can also cheat a little bit in a good way. Internal self-discipline, I've got that, and it's hard to hold. It is. It's hard to hold. So I cheat. I put people around me who also have it. If I find somebody who I think is pretty cool, I want to hang around them, but they've got no discipline, I don't hang around those people. Not because I don't think they're bad people, but because I know that if I hang around those people, I will eventually become those people. And I don't want to lose my self-discipline. It took me too long to get it. And now we've got the fruits of success because of it. The physical health, the, the monetary wealth, the relationship uh, health, you know, all the things that come, uh, not always, but usually as a result of self-discipline, I don't want those going away. So I have to be very careful that I put other people who have degrees of self-discipline around me so that on the days when I really don't want to go do it, I can think, ah, yeah, but you know what? He's getting up and getting after it or she's out there you know, probably beating me on the production or <clears throat> whatever the case may be. Like, I, that's, that's the game I play. So self-discipline. Now, discipline actually will help facilitate the other area that I want to talk about today, which is, we'll call it confidence. Or, I actually like the term swagger better. Um, you know, confidence, I think, is the generic term. Swagger is a more specific term. It just sounds better. <laughs> so where does confidence come from? You know, discipline, I'm going to tell you, comes from, you know, again, skill set that can be learned. Um, confidence, I think, comes from producing things of value. So can you be born confident? I don't, again, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I would say no. Um, 
But I don't know. I, I don't know how you know the human brain is formed in the womb, and 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 I I don't know. I don't know anybody truly knows exactly how all that stuff works, but or if you can test for that kind of thing. But I would say that my my inkling is that no, you are not born confident. Confidence comes from producing things of value like family, health, wealth, uh, physical accomplishments, education, etc. I think that you know I think confidence can also in a way, uh, and in a form, come from um, a spiritual walk as well. But it, that's going to be harder to hold. It just is. Now, I know people who are um, very devout believers in God will listen to this and they'll argue with me about that. Um, but, you know, looking on the outside in, I, I've just seen so many um, people of faith fall, not from their faith necessarily, but fall in life. Uh, and lose confidence because they, they put everything just on one area. And um, and you can do it, but man, it makes it harder to hold. Uh, you know, if you read the Bible, I mean, um, Jesus wasn't walking around by himself. He surrounded himself with some other folks. Um, there were people around him all the time. And so, again, I think, uh, yeah, you can gain confidence from the spiritual side, but if you, that's the only thing you're looking towards, that's going to be much harder to hold. Um, I think that most of us, probably were taught a form of confidence, but I think a very weak form. Uh, I think we were probably taught the external form. Uh, I mean, I was. My mom was constantly telling me I was amazing, which, you know, if you ask my wife, of course I am, but that was external. That was my, my mom telling me that, and, you know, maybe, like, if you have brothers and sisters who tell you that you're great at something or a coach or whatever, like, that's, those are all good things. You want, we want to feed on that. I feed on that now. Uh, I love it. I, I, I'm always looking for that kind of stuff. Um, but again, that's all external and it's weaker because life will eventually crush that form. Um, you know, because you will fail at something. <clears throat> and I think internal confidence, self-confidence really comes from failure and the interpretation of the failure and then the ultimate rebound from that failure. And we've all heard that, you know, failure is better than success. At least I think most of you have. But nobody really goes deep into that. You know, I mean, like I've heard the story about Laird Hamilton. How do you surf? Well, you fall a thousand times. That's great. I love that. But I, and I don't know his story, but I don't know that he was out there falling a thousand times by himself. I'm guessing he had somebody there alongside of him, like the older version of himself, who there was kind of interpreting what that, how he was failing and why he was failing and what to do about it. Um, when, you know, bad things happen in life, when a business fails, when a marriage fails, when, you know, when you're playing a very high stakes game and something bad goes wrong, that's when confidence is bred. Because if you can have people who will help interpret what the failure means, why it happened, and what you can do about it, then you start to figure out, again, the game, which is, huh, I, through discipline, will work through this, I understand it now, and eventually, I'm going to get out the other side of this thing, and I'll just start over. That's, that's where confidence comes from. So failure is really a confidence builder, but you can't just, like, pretend. You can't whitewash it. You can't yeah, again, you can't look at the social media memes and the motivational stuff and, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about really, really understanding your failures, getting deep on them, accepting them, and not, not giving them lip service. Uh, the people I coach will, will say things like, oh, you know, I'm, 
I'm not a 90% person. I think I'm in that 10% though, Joe. I think I'm, I'm trying. Like I know I want to do better, but man, I, I just haven't done this and I just haven't done that, but I'm going to. That's so weak that I'm going to, I'm gonna, I will one day. It's weak. No, the failure is in that moment in time, you actually even using the words, I'm going to. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Tell me where you failed. You know, I won't make phone calls. I won't um, communicate with my wife. I won't uh, put down the cake. Tell me what, you've, uh, what you're doing right now, what you've already done. I won't. I haven't. And then we can, we can start from there. We can talk about the emotions around it. We can talk about why. We don't need to talk about what you're going to do. Talk about why it's already occurred. Then we point the discipline at it. And off we go. And internal confidence, by the way, needs to be built up again and again. And the only way you can do that, honestly, is by failing again and again. And getting better at things again and again. Now, there's a phrase out there. I forget where I got it, but it's, it's, something, it's something like become expert at becoming expert. You know, I, I don't really so much care to talk to the guy who's amazing in one area and has been for 10 or 15 years. It doesn't interest me nearly as much as some of the people out there um, who are amazing at one area and then they try something completely different and then they do that well eventually. Having no real example in my mind, think of, think of an athlete um, who, I'll tell you, here's a, here's a great example. Um, the shortstop for the New York Yankees is a man named D.D. Gregorius. And when the Yankees traded for him, he was to replace Derek Jeter. You know, Derek Jeter is a pretty good player. He's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Didi comes over and completely screws up his first season. I mean, this guy couldn't run the base paths right. He couldn't hit for crap. He was just not a very good player. And here he is trying to replace Jeter. But this guy, was, this guy, if you follow him, like on Instagram, social media, what you're going to find out, he's an accomplished artist, like a sketch artist. He's an accomplished uh, musician. I forget the instrument he plays. He speaks like five different languages. And, and uh, not like Spanish. I mean, I'm sure that's one of them. But like weird ones. I mean, uh, you know, ones that you wouldn't normally hear. <laughs> this guy speaks five different languages fluently. And you, you look at that and you go, man, a guy who can learn all those things. Yeah, maybe he has some sort of natural affinity or talent for it. But like it takes work. So I could look at that and say he could be he could be scrambling all over the base paths and being thrown out and booed, but his internal confidence, his self-confidence is high because he knows how to actually overcome that. He's failed so many times. He's become an expert at becoming good at stuff. And you know, last year, D.D. DeGroyas was one of the best shortstops in baseball. Almost went to the World Series with the Yankees. Hit number four, hitting the cleanup spot for the Yankees. Nobody would have predicted that. But if you knew what to look for, you might have. Bernie Williams, I'm just a Yankee fan. Bernie Williams is another guy. Center fielder for the New York Yankees. I think he won four or five world championships with him. Also an amazing musician. So it's not that I'm looking for well-roundedness. What I'm looking for are the people who are, I mean, he could stink as a musician. I, I wouldn't even care. Um, he could stink at that. He could also try being an artist. He could try politics and fail. I, I don't care. I'm looking for people who are moving outside their comfort zone and trying other things and failing at them. Because they will get a little bit better and a little bit better. And every time they do, that's where that self-confidence comes out. So that when they're doing the thing that is their day job, when they are running the base paths and get thrown out and they get booed, they don't even think twice about it. Because in context, it's nothing. Because they're, they're, they're used to under, they're interpreting failure. They're used to it. 
uh, I get up on stage and I say something and I get no response, or at least no positive response, I don't even think twice about it. I mean, I'd rather it not happen, but it's not like, oh my gosh, now I'm an idiot, everyone found me out, because I'm used to failing. I'm used to trying new things, like this podcast, or any coaching, or any, you know, anything new, or any new physical uh, thing, anything, anything. The other thing I'd say about confidence, and we referred to it earlier about when I was in college, and I said, man, I'm no longer different, and I needed to be different. Um, Being different might also, you could also say that might have, like, you know, having a purpose or a mission. Being different is a great way to build confidence. Be set aside. Stick out. Be top 1% in your industry. Be the one out of 50 who gets promoted to the regional director. Um, Be the one that finishes top 10 in her age category in the marathon. Um, Be the guy who drops 400 pounds and runs an Ironman. Um, Be the kid at school who gets straight A's after, you know, being tested for dyslexia. Whatever. Be different. Have something unique. Uh, Don't just do what everyone else is doing. Actually try to be different. And you know what? You're usually going to fail. You really are. You're usually going to fail. But over time, you won't. And you'll get better and better. And that breeds confidence. And it won't be the outside confidence that other people tell you you're good at. You'll just know. I'm sure Didi Gregorius' mom still tells him he's awesome and cute and all that kind of stuff. But the guy knows. He knows he hit, whatever, almost 30 home runs as the New York Yankee shortstop. He knows that he can speak five languages. He knows that he can accomplish or, or acquire big targets and go after them and usually, you know, usually uh, destroy them. He knows that. He knows that because now he's almost 30 years old and he's done it his entire life. Whereas everyone else is okay with just, oh, okay, we're, we're comfortably dissatisfied with our lives. We're in that 90%. Or they're in the 10%, which is, you know, yeah, no, I want to be better, but I don't really want to go through all the failure to get there. I want to be better, but I don't really want people laughing at me as I try new things. So discipline and confidence. I mean, together, I mean, they really, really help move your life in whatever direction you're looking to move. Neither of them are typically gained on their own. Not usually, but usually they can come from a group, brotherhood, team environment, coach, something like that, um, spouse. Um, Again, very, very tough to stay external on both of those, though. That's, this, that's how you might originally learn to acquire the skill of discipline or confidence. It might be external, but it has to ultimately become internal. It has to be self-discipline. It has to be self-confidence. And I, guess, you know, I think, guys, again, this, this podcast is really geared, again, towards the sales professional, the entrepreneur, the, the business leader. Um, if you want to make inroads, in those careers or in, in that walk of life, if you want to make your mark in those areas, if you, if you want to really do anything of consequence and you're ignoring the fact that you probably don't have the level of confidence that you need uh, and you don't have the skill set of discipline, if you're ignoring those things, you're not going to go very far. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you're probably not going to go anywhere. Most of us have not as adults, had anybody be able to speak confidence to us. It's just been ignored. Um, And we might even feel 
embarrassed to reach out for that and to ask other people um, to, to help you with that because we're, what, are we supposed to have it all figured out? Is it supposed to kind of come naturally? You know, is it, is it supposed to be an instinct that you have confidence? I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. <laughs> I think it's natural to actually cower from things for most people and to assume that you don't know what you're doing and that you're a fraud or that you stink or that you're no good. And by the time you're an adult, your mommy and daddy can't give you that external confidence anymore. You know, it, it, so it's, it's going to have to come from a team or a brotherhood or a, a coach or something, something until you can learn it and what it feels like. And then it just sort of becomes who you are. Not that you won't ever need uh, some stroking of the ego because we all do. I, sure, I certainly do. Um, but it'll be less and less uh, necessary. And then the discipline thing, to wrap up with that, I think, honestly, the best way to acquire discipline, I've said it many times, I'll say it again, it's through kinesthetic. It's through the body. Um, there's something about hard physical work that imprints the brain differently. Uh, again, I don't know the science around it. I can just speak to you personally. Uh, and, it, and, you know, it's all relative, right? So hard, hard physical labor for me is different than a 25-year-old uh, former Division One volleyball player or is different than a 55-year-old diabetic overweight man. You do what you can. But whatever's hard, do that and be consistent with it. Um, don't take a day off. You don't need a day off. Not, not, not anytime soon. I mean, you don't want to do uh, hard physical labor, the same exercise every day for, you know, three years. Um, but... You know, this, this whole premise of like, well, okay, I'm going to work out three days a week. That's not, that's not it. I mean, it's got to be harder than that. Discipline is tough. It is tough. It is, I think, the great equalizer. You don't have discipline, really, you're never going to get confidence. You don't have confidence, you'll never win in this highly competitive environment that we're living in now and moving into 2018. Guys, we can't hide anymore. You just can't. You can't hide in a cube in corporate America anymore. It's not going to work that way in 10 years. It's, it's a more entrepreneurial-based society that we're moving into. Things are going to be moving quickly. People are going to be exposed. And, uh, you know, for, for the fraud that they might be or the unproductive person that they actually might be, and the opposite is true, too. Over the next five or 10 years, as you get after it a little bit and you get better a little bit every day, you're also going to be exposed in a good way. So prepare for it because most people aren't going to do it. Um, so if you can be that person, then you look back in 10 years, kind of like what I said about the, my, my career uh, 20 years ago. They said, oh, if you just work hard for 20 years, all these good things will happen. And I, everyone else in my group was like, oh, crap, I don't want to work for 20 years. I, wanna, I want it now. And I remember thinking, good, 20 years, pff, I can do that. That's all it takes is 20 years. So we still have 20 years to go. So with that, I will not play my bumper music at the end that uh, I guess people need to know when I'm done talking. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, I should have said this many, many other times. Go to Foxhole Partner, singular, foxholepartner.com. You can sign up for a newsletter that we're putting together there. You can download the free ebook uh, from the front of the room that I have on there. Follow us on Facebook, Foxhole Partner, Joe DeLisi, Foxhole Partner on Facebook. That's D-E-L-I-S-I, -S -I, Joe DeLisi, Foxhole Partner. 
at Facebook. Um, and uh, feel free to uh, contact me if you'd like, and I will talk to you guys next time.